Antic Heart, Chapter 9. on my own. Lucy has the aristocratic lady's privilege of breakfasting in her chamber and the others have already eaten. I have washed and put on a clean shirt and stockings. My hair is brushed. I look the very image of a secretary, smart, capable and not too showy. Girl, on the other hand, looks more and more shaggy. I think I will have to shave him soon and wonder whether the local barber might oblige. Lucy appears halfway through the morning, dressed in a plain blue gown, wearing her mask and with her hair pulled back. There are letters that have arrived for her, so she sits in her parlour opposite me, reading them. I wait, appreciating the curve of her breasts, and the pinkness of her cheek. I love every inch of her, even her bony feet, which have been deformed by wearing court shoes too often. She breaks into my reverie suddenly. For God's sakes, what is happening? She throws a letter down on the table beside her and then picks it up again and scrutinises it. I sit up straight, concerned. What's the matter, Lucy? Bad news, I am afraid, she frowns at me. Can I help? I ask. I don't know. I must decide what to do. What is it? The code is difficult and his writing is terrible, but I think I've deciphered it now. She waves the paper at me. I take it and look carefully at it. To my eye, it looks like an ordinary letter from an aunt in Paris. What is disturbing about this, I ask? It is in code, Henry. You need to pick out certain words in a certain order. It is hard to remember sometimes. Even I make mistakes. So what is it? What is it? It is from Orlando, our young king. She had told me before that they corresponded, but I hadn't realised that this innocent letter was from him. He tells me that I am under suspicion. One of our spies has told him that Cromwell's men are watching me. I must stop operations for a while. So who could be watching you? I cry out, very disturbed by the thought of eyes watching us, learning our secrets. Is it you, Henry? She looks straight into my eyes. No, it is not. And you should know me well enough to trust me. She laughs wryly. Hmm, I am sorry, Henry, but I had to ask. No, 
It is someone in this household, possibly, or a tradesman who visits regularly. They have been watching my visitors since last winter. They know of you, Henry, and a couple of other young men who have passed through Penshurst. Jealousy flares within me. Other young men? Which other young men? She turns on me. Now stop that now. There will always be other young men, Henry, always. As it happens, one has gone back to France and the other one is in Ireland. So they are both safe, thank God. I am relieved, but not because of their safety. At least they are far from Penshurst, so unlikely to be on the scene at the moment. So what does this mean for us, Lucy? Are you at risk? She looks suddenly serious. Yes, my dear, I am. I start forward as if to protect her, but she waves me back. Only of being thrown back into the tower, Henry. They don't execute women. But you, Henry, well, it depends. She comes to me and puts her arms around me. We have to think of a plan, Henry, she says, and kisses me on the lips. You and I have to lie low for the next few months. The question we have to resolve is how we do this. We need to vanish for a while until our friend Oliver has forgotten all about us. I have contacts in the north of England, but will that be too obvious? They know I was born in Northumberland. An idea comes into her head. Why don't we go to France, Henry? I shake my head. But how would we get there, Lucy? You are a well-known woman. Wherever you go, you are noticed. We could wear disguises, Henry, travel as two ordinary women and get a passage from Dover. We could pose as cloth merchants, taking over a business after our father has died, just the same as your Judith Pettigrew did. We could do it, I know. The more she speaks, the more convinced I become that it would work. But what should I tell them here, she ponders. How can I get away without causing suspicion? She stares at me for a moment, then clicks her fingers in triumph. Yes, that is it. I have an old maidservant up north. She's like a mother to me. I can tell them she is ill and I must visit her. That is it. And you must be my escort for my safety. Yes, I think that would work. Then, once we are in the countryside... You can become Henriette, my dear, and we can change direction and ride down to Dover. Oh, to be in Paris again. I can hardly wait. And so she decides in an instant what to do. Henry, we will leave tomorrow. I will tell my maid to pack clothes for you and me. But first, we must tell the family. Come with me. She walks to the parlour door and runs along the corridor towards Dorothy's quarters. I follow her, striding quickly to keep up. After a few seconds, she starts crying, making loud weeping sounds. She whips her mask off, and I notice that her eyes are actually looking moist. Lucy bursts into Dorothy's chamber without knocking. 
I follow closely with girl taking up the rear. Lucy looks up from her sewing, eyebrows raised. What on earth is the matter, Lucy? You look quite distraught. I am. I am beside myself. Lucy rubs her fists into her eyes, then walks up and down the room as if it cannot contain her. Calm yourself, sister. Sit down and have a glass of wine. Then tell me what is upsetting you. Sniffing, Lucy sits down, accepts the goblet of wine that her sister pours for her. I linger awkwardly by the door with girl. I am not offered wine, but neither am I dismissed. Girl goes up to Lucy and pushes his head into her lap. Poor creature, he is trying to comfort me. Lucy cries, if only I were a creature like this, without grief, without fear. Dorothy sounds bored. Control yourself, sister. Take a pipe if you must. Here. Dorothy hands Lucy a wooden box from which she extracts a pipe and some tobacco. She tamps the tobacco down and lights the pipe, sucking on it with her ripe red lips. Ah, I needed that, she says tearfully. Oh, Dorothy, I have some terrible news. Tell me exactly what's happened, Lucy. You remember Annie, our nurse from when we were little girls? Lucy demands. Yes, I do, vaguely. We were very young. Dorothy is concentrating on her embroidery. She picks up a spool of red wool and threads a needle. She was our wet nurse. She fed us with her milk and cared for us with her life, Lucy says histrionically. I wonder if she is overplaying it. With her life, Dorothy asks. She is alive still, surely. She starts stitching, making the outline of a rose. Barely, Lucy says. She worked so hard for us, it affected her health. You remember how she used to cough in the evenings. We just took her for granted. We never sent the doctor to her, and now she's very ill. Tears are dropping down her cheek, and she looks piteously at Dorothy. Dorothy shrugs her shoulders. So, what can we do? She will be quite elderly by now. I must visit her, Lucy insists. Find a doctor for her. We owe her that. Dorothy is unconvinced. I am sure she is being looked after by the estate, she says, continuing to stitch. Dorothy, she nursed me through a fever which nearly killed me. I remember she sat with me night after night. Surely you can see that I owe her this. Lucy puffs enthusiastically on her pipe. But your bail says you're meant to live here, Dorothy reminds her. It will only be for a week or so, Lucy pleads, and it is fulfilling a family responsibility. Dorothy nods, but then says, So, how will you get there? The roads are not safe for a woman on her own, and we cannot spare the staff to accompany you. Henry can accompany me. He is a skilled swordsman and can protect me. Girl will also act as a guard dog for us. Dorothy looks down over her embroidery at Girl, 
snuggling in Lucy's skirts, but then sighs. Very well, she says. I suppose it can do no harm, but don't you dare get into trouble. Robert would never let me hear the end of it if you engage in another adventure. Henry will make sure I behave, says Lucy, smiling widely at me. I bow awkwardly to her and Dorothy. I promise that I will keep the Countess of Carlisle safe and away from trouble, I say, trying to look trustworthy. Dorothy glares at me. Make sure you do, young man, or else you will get no more work from me or the Earl. She waves her hand to dismiss me. I grab girl and leave the room as quickly as possible before she asks me anything else, hurrying back to my room to start to pack. It is late morning before we set out. Lucy has her routine and it cannot be hurried. She has too much baggage to be carried on her horse, so we will have a mule following us, laden with bags. She has selected three gowns, plain, pretty and ornate. She has also picked out a gown for me, plus linen shifts and stockings for us both. Food has been packed from the kitchen, cheese, bread and sausage, with several flagons of wine. Lucy has borrowed some money from Dorothy to pay for our accommodation. Dorothy has obviously accepted that our trip is necessary as she comes to the front of the house to wish us Godspeed. She is cheerful, telling us she expects us home by September. Lucy assures her that she will barely notice that we have gone and kisses her on both cheeks. I help her onto her horse, then swing up onto Pim. Girl is already perched up in front of the saddle. The mule's reins are lashed to Pim so that it can follow on. Thankfully, both horse and mule are calm creatures and do not object to being lashed together. We start off on the road to London and on our way north. We will stay there overnight where I will change into Henriette and will then pick up a passage to Dover from the Port of London. We need to find a safe house and Lucy knows of a merchant who used to supply her with silks and brocade. He always had a bit of a fancy for me, she tells me. We had a little fling one afternoon after he had sold me ten bolts of silk and a bundle of fine French lace. I know he will let us stay and I am hoping he will find us a passage. How many people has she had flings with for God's sake? I am learning that her sexual power is a potent weapon for her. I look at her, loving her, and hating her.